Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, good people? Good Tuesday morning or afternoon or evening, whenever you're listening to us here, because we're on demand, baby. We are available everywhere podcasts are, especially on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. And, of course, here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast YouTube channel, make sure to hammer the thumbs up. Make sure to hammer the subscribe button. By the way, if you do that, you're, you are got a chance to win some money in the bank tickets, giving these away. And, by the way, if you're already subscribed to the channel, all you got to do is go find my pinned tweet and retweet it, and you're eligible. Boom. Done. Ready to go. You got until June 2nd. To get those in. SP3, how are we doing this fine Tuesday, sir? Doing well. I was doing well for two hours and 30 minutes watching uh, Monday Night Raw, and then the final 30 minutes happened, and I don't know what WWE was thinking. They decided to only give us a really, really good two-and-a-half-hour show yeah, for three was- hours. The, the way I can equate this, right, is like we were on a very pleasant chairlift up, right, to like the top of a ski slope or something. We're all having a good time. We're talking. Everything's great. Then all of a sudden we get up to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro or wherever the hell it was. And then without any warning, they decided to shove us off the lift chair down the mountain. Like that's pretty much exactly what WWE did last night, because right up until Cody Rhodes got attacked by Seth Rollins, this was a damn good episode. And honestly... Even as a whole, I can't complain because, and, and props to Stephanie Hypes for bringing this up on, on Twitter. They featured 13 women last night. Like the women's division for Monday Night Raw has quickly become the focal point of the show. Like, I don't know whoever got in WWE creative's ear and said, hey, y'all notice how deep this roster is on Raw? Maybe we should start putting more of them on television. That was good. But when you feature 13 women, you're going to end up with some short matches, including the main event last night, which we only got. They took time to make sure we knew Bianca Belair was at the Kentucky Derby. Trust me, we're all on social media. We know Bianca Belair and Montez Ford were at the damn Kentucky Derby. And but and gave them full entrances and everything. And then we get five minutes. Now, again, I think they did that on purpose, though, because this is a little bit of an appetizer. And that appetizer we got was damn good. Oscar looks crisp. The chemistry between her and Bianca looks great, and it sure seems like we're heading toward a triple threat match. That's right. I said a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship, possibly at Hell in a Cell. So there was some good things to come out of that last 30 minutes or so, but still, it completely fell off of a cliff last night. Yeah, I mean, it was obvious from the backstage segment we were going to get a triple threat with Asuka, Becky Lynch, and Bianca Belair. I mean, yeah, it was okay for the four minutes that we got it. They didn't even give us a five-minute match because they saved the last minute for Becky Lynch beating down both women. So it was a four-minute match, and it was quite obvious it was going to be a four-minute match when the entrances happened eleven with 11 minutes left in the show. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't do I'm I'm one of those people if you can't give us a whole match or can't give us a little bit more of an appetizer, at least a seven, eight minute appetizer, sure. then yeah. don't do the match. Just don't yeah. do the match. 
Yeah, there was one thing a, a prominent wrestling journalist had to tweet, sent out the tweet of doom. All right. You know, before this episode of Monday Night Raw, we'll get into that. We'll talk about Becky Lynch's interference. We'll talk about Seth Rollins interference. We'll talk about Rhea Ripley's presentation in the Judgment Day. Alexa Bliss is back. Always great to see her back on her television screen. But which Alexa Bliss are we getting? We'll talk about that. And then as we brought up in that third hour there. Couldn't you book a match more poorly than you booked Tommaso Ciampa versus Mustafa Ali? Maybe only by the match that, wait, hold on, that preceded it. Maybe only by the match that preceded it. We'll talk about all of that. But first things first, got to give a shout out to our friends over at Bet Online, the continued number one source for all of your sports betting needs and information. Get all the latest developments, updated odds in the NBA, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online, your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Super easy to get started. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join. Use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. That promo code again, B-L-E-A-V. And SP3 will start with the main event last night. A little bit of an appetizer, maybe maybe more of a tasting portion than an appetizer. Would have liked to have seen a little bit more. Definitely seemed like they were rushing after the Cody match because we didn't even get entrances for Ali and Tommaso Ciampa, but we damn sure got a, a, an entrance and a promo for The Miz. We'll talk about that, but they cut us short this main event. Becky Lynch interferes. It's pretty clear that she was pissed off that she wasn't involved or even thought about as a contender or a possible contender, so much so that she called out WWE for their own BS and basically lit the company on fire for championship contenders matches about how they don't make any sense. I was almost convinced that she did a babyface turn there. And with that one line alone, it was either one of two things. Becky Lynch went rogue and was probably going to get a talking to after tonight. Or WWE is very well aware of how poorly their championship contender structure is within the company. But regardless, it looks like we're heading towards a triple threat match, possibly at Hell in a Cell for the Raw Women's Championship. Considering we did our live stream yesterday and somebody said Bianca doesn't have any challengers. Are you okay with them taking this Becky and Asuka feud and then now merging it in with Bianca Belair for the championship? Yeah, because this can be more of a long-form story between Asuka and Becky Lynch. You can do the triple threat at Hell in a Cell. Both women, I don't think, I think Bianca Belair will still win that. And then both women can be in Money in the Bank. And then we we can save a Asuka and Becky Lynch main match till SummerSlam. Yeah. And it feels like it's been a long buildup to that. Hopefully they go that route instead of just giving us a five or six minute match on Monday Night Raw to build to a main match at the at the premium live event. I hope they go in that direction instead. And I know the triple threat match will deliver. And I loved Becky Lynch and Asuka interaction. Both women were in top form with Becky insulting something from WWE for one, something that she is well aware, <laughs> aware of, unlike other things she's criticized in other interviews. And then Asuka was hilarious being the ultimate troll. I love that the whole rivalry is Asuka trolling Becky Lynch. This was really good stuff. And Asuka just just going in, calling Becky a baby made me laugh. It was probably the, the most laughable moment of the night. Yeah. Look, you, you can't not love Asuka, right? Like, 
there's just an energy about her. There's this bubbliness about her, like whether it's baby face, whether it's heel, she plays that troll gimmick to a T and she doesn't even have to speak English for most of it. She's just, it's incredible. She can get her message across on television, no matter what language she's speaking. And that is a, that is a skill that not a lot of people have. We'll see how Bianca Belair fits into all of this because that's because now she's kind of like the odd person out. Now she's kind of being shoehorned into this rivalry and this feud. And maybe she might become the third wheel here, even though she's the Raw Women's Champion. No, I think the whole point of the feud is that Becky is the one that's shoehorned here. That is Becky's focus is always on getting back the the women's championship. And Asuka's focus is just just getting back to being Asuka once again. And then Becky is kind of brought the two her two her previous feud and her current feud together. So I don't think that Becky is the odd one. I mean Bianca's the odd woman out. I think this feud makes a whole lot of sense with the direction Becky went with her return promo two weeks ago. Fair enough. And uh we we do have only now one one WWE official, and it was uh, Adam Pierce who made this move last night. Again, the women heavily featured, including Sonya Deville last night, who was uh, stripped of all of her authoritative powers, which I think was a welcome move for a lot of people. We were ready to see Sonya Deville back as a singular uh, competitor in the ring. None of this. You can't touch me while I'm wearing a suit. BS. All happy on that. So this was Adam Pierce's decision to put Asuka in this championship contenders match. Becky interferes. We'll see where it goes from there. This, by the way, was the third match of the night that featured a disqualification, and we can blame Sean Rossap for that. Uh, from Five Full Select, the man who joined us for our back WrestleMania Backlash pre-show, he just had to go out there on his big-ass Twitter feed, 167,000 followers, and say, man, WWE hasn't been doing DQ finishes for the last week. I really hope they continue that. And then, boom, we get not one, not two, Three DQ finishes on the night. We knew we were getting one. We knew we were getting one because the second SP3, the second that they booked Cody Rhodes and Austin Theory for the United States Championship, we knew there was no way in hell that that match was ending clean. So let's just go ahead and dive into that, shall we? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Pretty simple question I have for you, because in a bubble, I don't hate Cody Rhodes challenging for the United States Championship. I don't hate Cody Rhodes fighting Austin Theory. But booking this match, knowing that Austin Theory has been mixing it up with Mustafa Ali, and he's got his thing going on with The Miz, and, well, he wasn't even really involved in that last night. But we all knew that Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes weren't done. No matter how many promos that that Cody Rhodes cut saying he's ready to move on. We knew Seth Rollins wasn't going to be ready to move on. Everybody and their brother knew the ending of that match when you sent out the tweet at roughly 4.30 in the afternoon on Monday that this match was going down. Why book the match? Why book the match? I have long said that predictable isn't always bad. I think in this case, it was when it's this blatantly obvious that obvious that this match did not matter one iota because Seth Rollins was going to get involved. 
this was two matches that just had the most obvious and predictable interference DQ finishes. It was Bianca and Asuka in the main event. When soon as that was announced, I was like, oh, Becky interferes. That's how we're going to end that one. And yeah, like when they announced it on social media between Theory and Cody Rhodes, I was like, yeah, this should be a good matchup, but I know how it ends. I know that Seth Rollins is going to get involved because in WWE minds, costing someone a championship is how you make things personal, how you make yeah. it real fiery going into Hell in a Cell. So in their minds, Seth Rollins can't curb stomp Brandy Rhodes like DJ Duke suggested on our live show. So the way to make things personal is to cost him America's title on the one year anniversary of the week when Cody wrote Cody Devante Rose saved racism. Psst. Horrible thing. What Co what Seth Rollins did to America. I freaking knew you were going to go with that, um, man. Like this didn't make a whole lot of sense for, for a lot of reasons. One, because Austin theory has been in, involved in his own thing. Like I said, with the Miz and, and Mustafa Ali, uh, they, they could have decided to continue that. Uh, but no, they decided to continue this thing with Ciampa, but did they really? Uh, we'll dive into that coming up here soon. But the whole arc for Cody Rhodes has been, hey, I'm here to win the WWE Championship. So you book him in a United States title match? Like, why would Cody care? Cody didn't come back to win no United States Championship. He's He's been there. He's done that. He's won the Intercontinental title. He's won those, and I know he hates this term, He's won the mid-card championships before. Hell, he made the TNT title famous in the company he just left to come to WWE to ascend to new heights. So why are you booking him in a United States championship match that we already know is going to end in disqualification? You can say, yeah, he's done with Seth Rollins. That's fine. Well, why don't you like at least give us a little bit of a doubt that Seth is going to show up? Book him in a match against Dolph Ziggler. Where the hell's Dolph Ziggler been since he lost the NXT championship? Bye-bye. Out the window. Book him against T-Bar. Book him against, I, I don't know, pick somebody on the roster. I think Rey Mysterio's hurt. Wh who else has we got out there? You could have booked him against The Miz. That would have been a better use of him tonight. You could have booked him against Dominic. I'm pretty sure he's not hurt. You could have booked him against Chad Gable for crying out loud. That would have been fun. Give me any other option other than blatantly obvious disqualification because it immediately made me not care about this match because there's no chance in hell that either one of these guys were going to lose. And you don't want to book either of these guys to lose because you're trying to build both of them up at the same time. So again, I ask, why do you book the match? You could have booked something else. You could have booked something else. That said, it was a good match right up until the obvious finish, which by the way, was made even more obvious by the camera zooming in right on Cody's face. Anybody who knows anything about TV production knew at that point that match was done. I was like, they want to make the Seth uh, attack feel like a surprise, so they zoomed in on him. But if you follow WWE, you knew the interference was coming at that moment. At, at that exact moment. Uh, we talked about the two matches that ended in, in disqualification and interference. Those were blatantly obvious. The other one that happened was uh, during the entire segment, pretty much most of hour one was carried by the judgment day already an, a, a, an alteration of the name of edges uh new faction and they're now the judgment day which kind of honestly makes the name a little bit worse because it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to put the in front of it but whatever i guess that must have been a trademark thing anywho so i actually didn't mind this disqualification with 
Edge kind of costing Damian Priest this match. I would have liked to have seen Priest kind of get a win because as we talked about on yesterday's live stream, if this faction's going to work, it's going to be about elevating the other members around Edge. They gave Rhea Ripley a, a big dominant win over Liv Morgan, attacked her afterwards. Then Damian Priest has to lose to Finn Balor. But regardless, all of this is kind of setting up what we hope, at least we think, because Finn Balor and and Damian Pri or Finn Balor and uh, AJ Styles were not in a hurry whatsoever to save Liv Morgan from her post match beatdown yesterday. They they took their time, do their full entrances, do the too sweet as poor Liv Morgan is in like the clover leaf, like begging for somebody to help her out. Like Jesus, what did that girl do to deserve? That kind of animosity from the rest of the locker room. Does she have no friends whatsoever? But regardless, I liked how a lot of this was set up. This was a big first night focusing strictly on Rhea Ripley here for a second. And her first promo, why she joined, joined, joined Judgment Day on a scale of 1 to 10. How on board are you now with the Judgment Day and the presentation of Rhea Ripley now that she's joined the group? Well, this is why... I kind of tried to argue with you when you were saying good things about Judgment Day because it wasn't good before. It just wasn't. It, the reliance on hometown heat, it just it just feels like anyone saying positive things about it, you're missing the whole point. This is the Judgment Day that we wanted. This is the Judgment Day and the presentation we wanted. They feel like a stable. They got legitimate heat without relying on, hey, insert your hometown here. This is how you talk. This is why your sports team sucks. That's what they were doing for weeks with Edge doing that. Edge doesn't need to do that you can attack the fans without talking about the hometown because yeah. if you attack the fans the right way you're not just talking to the place you're at you're talking to the entire fan base including the people watching at home this was the correct way to go at it and the spooky gimmick to um basically own internet trolls thumbs up for me in in that in that type of promo that was really good and Rhea Ripley was really good it makes sense for her to join up with Judgment Day she's sick of people you know riding her coattails and it just felt more organic it felt like a legitimate stable and it it just it, this is the best presentation of Rhea Ripley in quite some time probably yeah. since her call up to the main roster so Everything was a check, a big thumbs up, even the post-match beatdown and the finish to um, Damian Priest and Finn Balor. I was okay. This was the only DQ finish I was okay with because it wasn't obvious. I thought that Damian Priest was going to get the victory, but I'm okay with protecting Finn Balor because you want to do this tag match of Finn Balor and AJ Styles versus Damian Priest and Edge, and you need Finn Balor to have some type of momentum or some type yeah. of like just completely not make him a loser and lose to Damian Priest two times in a row. So protecting him here makes a whole lot of sense and it got more heat on Judgment Day overall. Yeah, I would I, I kind of hope that if we're building towards a a, mix, a tag match or or possibly even the six person mixed tag match that we can start to see Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley wrestle other people now and instead of just constantly having some variation of oh well AJ Styles is going to wrestle Damian Priest this week oh nope now it's Finn Balor is going to wrestle AJ Styles this week or or whatever and, and rolling through all the, the different people and you know just having Damian Priest and the Judgment Day fighting the same people e each week you can build toward a match without having people wrestle each other over and over and over again which is what WWE likes to lean on 
especially when you start talking about tag teams and groups going up against one another. It's always some variation or the other. So I'm hoping we see something better out of that. But I think if you were one of those people who were worried about Rhea Ripley for whatever reason, because the internet, as Edge alluded to, is a very negative place out there and they love to go on there and type their comments. And so do I. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick Uchino. Follow him at TrueHeelSP3. But, you know, I think if you were one of these people who were worried about the presentation of Rhea Ripley or what she might be doing in Judgment Day, I, I think your, your, your concern should be quelled by what you saw last night. That was exactly what you would expect. They used Rhea Ripley as a badass enforcer. She for the most part, dominated Liv Morgan. Yes, Liv got to have a little bit of her innovative offense in there, and she continues to add some new stuff with every match that she's in, and I appreciate her for doing that, but this was all about Rhea Ripley getting a dominant win and looking like that that freaking, you know, monster force that she was in NXT UK and NXT and, you know, her getting back her confidence. You know, I had a chance to talk with her WrestleMania weekend, and she's like, look, during my first run as raw women's champion i didn't feel like the champion i didn't feel like myself i was still nervous every week last night rhea ripley looked like she had confidence on the main roster and ex and just exuded that more than we've seen her since she got brought up to the main roster on raw so this is an excellent presentation of her i love it i love the whole presentation now i do think the like hometown heat stuff gimmick worked a little bit better in front of a live crowd but i always agreed with you that was the only thing that kind of felt out of place with me with the judgment day connecticut doesn't have a whole lot of pro sports teams so edge couldn't lean on that last night so we'll see if he continues to lean on that as he goes toward uh to, to other crowds but there, there there's part of me that just thinks there is something a little bit missing like with judgment day like there there's I don't know how you would word it or anything, but there, there's part of me that like actually wants Edge to hand down judgments, like verbal judgments, like to be the judge and have Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest be his executioners. Like I would actually like him to verbally do that. And he kind of did with Liv Morgan, just a little bit non-verbally tonight. Now that I'm thinking back on that, because he was like, he's like, look, Rhea, your, your shit ain't done. Your job ain't done here. Take her out. That was really really good now that i'm going back and thinking on it and maybe showing it's a better way than actually saying it but i would kind of like as long as as far as promos are concerned for him to lean in on that that judgment language a little bit and kind of really lean into the character and yes steer away from the the hometown crowd heat but i love this for rhea ripley last night and the haircut works he looks less homeless with the haircut that was a great move and yeah I, I that was the other thing that worked for me. He looks more like the preacher that's stealing money from the collection page. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, televangelist edge. I like that a lot. Yeah, that was <laughs> that works out. He's definitely a kind of guy who's got a fifty foot yacht on, off the <laughs> off the uh, taxes of his uh, his followers for sure. Um, yeah, rest in peace to Viking Edge. Uh, may may he uh, join us one day soon down the line. But still. I'm going to, to answer the question, I'm going to give this about, uh, about an eight. I, I think about an eight. I'm, I'm on board with this edge said they're not done by the way, they are going to add to this faction. So it's going to be interesting to see that fourth, maybe fifth, maybe even sixth person's going to be down the line. Who knows? I would go nine out of 10. This was really good. This was quite the improvement. They were hovering around a four for weeks. So this is a big improvement. All right. Moving on to number three here. Big return last night. We were, we were all wondering. 
They gave us these nine weeks worth of vignettes or six weeks, however many it were. It felt like forever. Alexa Bliss makes her big return at, Elim at Elimination Chamber. She gets the biggest pop in the night. She almost wins the damn match. And then, bye-bye, poof, just gone. Absolutely gone. Uh, she does return finally last night after reports that she was uh, disgruntled with the fact that she wasn't on television, lack of creative uh, direction for her character. She shows up last night after Sonya Deville had been fired and squashes the hell out of her. But I think it was interesting if you looked at the makeup, if you looked at the ring music, if you looked at her overall presentation, other than the fact that she had Lily still with her, it's money, baby. It's money. They, they're printing money with those things at WWE shop. They can't get rid of her. Um, other than the fact that she still had Lily, that looked a lot like Goddess Alexa Bliss last night. Her, her old, former, less spooky, pre-Bray Wyatt self. So, okay, what, what Alexa Bliss did we see last night? We didn't get to hear from her. We only saw her for a couple of minutes, which made sense because Sonya Deville was clearly in shock that she lost her, her uh, authoritative duties. So she wasn't focused on the match, and Alexa Bliss kicked her ass in two moves. Fine. I get it from a storyline standpoint. I'm not going to complain about the match length itself in this situation. But what Alexa Bliss did we see last night? Is this a hybrid, you think? What are we, what, what, what are we feeling here? There's a, there's a lot to kind of digest here with this one. Yeah, I would take it more as a hybrid where, you know, she was smiley. She had the makeup. She had the music back. But yeah, her having Lily was just like, uh, it's not a this is not the home run. Nine out of ten that Judgment Day was. <laughs> this was like this was like a solid get on base six, six and a half out of ten type of situation where ground rule double nothing yeah, wrong with yeah, i was i was i was fine with alexa bliss being back in this situation love the angle to you know fire sonya deville as wwe official that was much needed and then alexa bliss kind of coming in as the punishment made sense as well and her running through sonya deville also made sense to me where you could see that it probably might lead to a little feud between the two or alexa bliss is gonna kind of be um maybe a next challenger for bianca belair down the line they can easily turn her heel at any point based on the way they presented her here but that crowd they loved her this was a great uh position for her to come back and this is why i thought this episode was really good because over the last couple of weeks when Night raw has been having these type of returns and people coming back to make the roster feel fresh again and this yeah. is sorely needed on friday nights but they just keep adding more people to monday night raw so at it's this a good point, monday night dude at this point if bailey doesn't show up on smackdown i don't know what the hell they're doing to that show on fox that is like the last, at least that I can think of, that is the last big return left. And Bailey is starting to tease more and more that she's going to be coming back sooner rather than later. She put out on her Instagram feed, you know how she like buzzes stuff in the back of her hair, you know, where ponytail used to be. Now it's a ticking clock uh, that is back there. So I think in her own way, she's letting us know she's going to be back sooner rather than later. I don't know if that's going to be on SmackDown. I hope it's on SmackDown. I don't know if it's going to be this Friday, but she's desperately, desperately needed on Fridays more than what we've seen on Raw, especially since are we getting Lacey Evans on Raw? Because they're showing her damn promos on Monday nights now. Like, what are we doing? That, what was that, that? Was, that was the point of the show where I was like, man, 
Don't they know there's a five hour difference where I'm at? You're trying to put me to sleep. You're trying to put me to they sleep. They could here. have cut that and gave us two extra minutes on the on the main event last night, and I would have been a very very happy guy. Uh, as far as Alexa Bliss to answer the question here, man, it, it's hard to fat. I'm I'm gonna guess that it's gonna be some form of a hybrid, and depending on how pissed off you make her. We'll see more of that darkness. I think, you know, the, she'll play the the mind games with the makeup and, and things like that. And she'll kind of bounce back and forth, almost like Enchantress, right? From like uh, uh, Suicide Squad. I think that might be kind of where she decides to go. If she decides to be evil, you know, and let Lily take over for a little bit, kind of treat it like Finn Balor and the demon, maybe. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully she's back. She's got something substantive and uh, we'll be seeing a lot more of her. Again, 13 women featured last night. I'm never going to argue with that. I'm never going to argue with that. They know they have depth and they've leaned into it and they have leaned into it uh, the last two weeks. I do want to dive into this one, though, because, again, that that dreaded final 40 minutes or so included a one on one match between Mustafa Ali and Tommaso Ciampa in a bubble. Sign me the hell up for that. These are two great in-ring workers. This one should have been a barn burner. If you gave these guys 20 minutes with a normal referee, I'll agree with my friend Doc Mueller, who said that on Twitter from Bleacher Report. You give those guys 20 minutes with a normal ref, they'll tear the damn house down. Instead, what we got was Miz being the only one to get an introduction here, and maybe time had something to do with that. Miz cutting a promo, and Miz being the story of the match because he was the special guest referee. He said he was going to call it down the middle, but of course he didn't call it down the middle. And cost Mustafa Ali that match several different times, which did not make Tommaso Ciampa look good at all because he was beat at least five times in an eight-minute match with Mustafa Ali and then got the five count to win afterwards. And I'm sitting here going, we didn't get any kind of promo from Tommaso Ciampa to explain why he's been attacking Mustafa Ali. Mustafa Ali now has to hit another L, and the focus was all on the Miz. Can you book? a match more poorly than what WWE did to those two last night because nobody got over except for the Miz in this situation. And you gave this match two and a half minutes because it was five minutes and 33 seconds, ladies and gentlemen. And of the five minutes and 33 seconds, at least two and a half minutes was headlocks and chin locks. This was the poorest constructed match I have seen on Monday Night Raw in quite some time. If you let Mustafa Ali and Mustafa Ali and Tommaso Ciampa have their kind of match, that could have been a great five minutes and 33 seconds. But instead, you were more focused on putting over the Miz, having the Miz get his entrance, have the Miz cut a promo, having the Miz be the focal point as special guest referee to build your using what seemed like Ali was going from, you know, beating the Miz to setting up a little mini feud with with, uh, Tommaso Ciampa to probably going into a U.S. title feud with Theory. And you've totally taken Theory out of this play. You've now focused more on a Miz and Ali feud. And now Ciampa is his first official match on Monday Night Raw as a Raw superstar. He got no entrance. Yep. He got beat several times, really, and he was in a he was doing headlocks for two minutes and thirty three seconds. So this was horrible, and this was the point of the show that I was just like, "Oh my god, I'm falling asleep! I am falling asleep 
watching this show that I was genuinely entertained about through the Cody Rhodes and theory match. But this was just horrible. Yeah, this was man. I think Miz would have been better served, honestly, with theory and Cody Rhodes tonight. Like, I, I, I really believe like keeping the Miz with Austin theory, because I don't know who Mustafa Ali is 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 feuding with is he feuding with champa is he feuding with miz if you look at his social media he thinks he's feuding with austin theory because he put out this really brilliant funny like newscaster two-minute video that should have been on raw like can we let like mustafa ali just be mustafa ali i cannot believe that he agreed to come back and end his hiatus for this like i'm hoping that there is light at the end of the tunnel because if Mustafa Ali came back for this, man, I he got sold a, a, a bill of goods, man. He got sold down the river. He bought a sack of crap, and he should be going back to, please, I'll, I'll, I'll sit at home and collect the paycheck because I can't imagine he agreed to come back for this. This made no sense to me from any kind of booking angle whatsoever. And again, I go back to the first question. Why was Austin Theory wrestling? Cody Rhodes last night did not make any sense whatsoever. One of the things we didn't talk about was the opening of the show, which was a fantastic tag match between RK bro and the street profits, which had one of the best endings I have ever seen in a professional wrestling match. Because so often when somebody dives off of the top rope, like this was my biggest complaint about like those Christian uh, Randy Orton matches from back in the day is Christian would always like dive off the top rope and look like he was like sailing into a pool and just feeding himself for the RKO. And he would lose those matches because Orton would hit that RKO. And I'm sitting here going, all right, great spot. And I'm not going to be one. Who the hell am I to tell Christian and Randy Orton what the fuck they're doing? But to me, I'm looking at that and I'm going, what offensive maneuver is Christian trying to hit there? Because he's just dead fish and throwing his body. And that's one of my biggest complaints about these kind of moves out of nowhere. They get countered off of the top rope. Last night, Matt Riddle was flat on his back when Montez Ford went up for that frog splash. And then by the time Ford got up, Riddle was able to get to his feet, catch him in midair, and give him the RKO. It was so not perfectly timed because Riddle was just a little bit late, just a little bit late, but it was smooth. It was crisp. It was very well timed, and it was literally out of nowhere. It was a great finish to that match. So I will ask you, fill in the blank. Riddle had the best RKO out of nowhere since blank. Mm, I mean, the one Orton did on uh, Chad Gable during the three-way uh, the three-way match with Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, RK-Bro, and Alpha Academy, where he did the moonsault, and Orton hit the RKO yeah, out of the moonsault. That was great, but I really like this one, and I would say it's the best RKO since WrestleMania 31, when Orton hit the RKO on Seth out of the curb stomp. That was, that's a top three all time RKO right up there with Evan Bourne doing the shooting star press into Orton doing the RKO back in, I believe that was 2010. So, yeah, I would say this is top three, top five RKO out of nowhere. Even Orton was impressed. Uh, yes, was he was. Good. And Orton's reaction really helped kind of sell it. And honestly, Orton's reactions are part of the best things about RK Bro 
as a whole, to be completely honest with you. Um, so yeah, man, like for me, I think I might, this might be a top two RKO out of nowhere. Like if it's it, not better than WrestleMania 31. Will you it, stop? It, will you it, stop? It's up there. This, though. Will, you this will not be re, this will not be replayed as much as WrestleMania 31. Like WrestleMania oh, obviously 31, that's a grander stage. It doesn't matter. WrestleMania 31. He did it out of a curb stomp out of yeah, someone else's, out someone else's go. finisher. Like the timing, yeah. the timing was better. It was a smooth hit. RK. RKO. This one is is like I said, a top three, top five, mainly because of Montez, not because of Riddle. Like the the Evan Bourne one that was Evan Bourne doing the shooting star press, and yep. Orton timed it so well. And yeah. the Seth Rollins one, Seth got so much air yeah. on that RKO where he props him up off of his back and then hits it. It's not the stage; it's the the move that really makes it. So those two are like I don't think they're ever going to be eclipsed as the two best RKOs out of nowhere. But this one, it, it deserves recognition at at least being a top five one. Which is insane to think about when you're talking about RKOs out of nowhere and you have an entrant here now into the top five and it's not Randy Orton delivering the move. That's how good Matt Riddle has gotten at delivering the RKO. And I love the fact that he's using it you know, in these matches, which is what makes this team very special. Also last night, by the way, apparently we're back on unifying the tag team championships. Can WWE make up their damn mind? Can they please make up their damn mind? Is it actually going to happen this time? Because of course they had no interest in doing it. None. Um, whatsoever. I mean, this whole show peaked at this match. This was the best match on the show. RK Bro versus uh, the Street Profits. So I don't mind RK Bro showing up on SmackDown and having more great matches with the Usos and the Bloodline. Yeah. I'm totally fine with that, but I totally agree with you. It's very confusing on what WWE wants to do here. And again, these these reports that came out, I forget which outlet it is. I'm not calling anybody out on this, but like these reports who said, Oh, well, this was the plan all along was to tease this match and then do, to do this other one and change this around and hey, we'll go back. No, you can't tell me this was the that may be the line you're being fed, but I don't buy that for a second because anybody who looks at this timeline and syncs things up can tell that they are just flying by the seat of their pants on a weekly week basis. To be fair to the outlet, it was Wrestling Observer, and they did okay. say that's what the source says. They never okay, said that this is right. this is what's going on. This was always the plan. No, they said the source told them that this was always the plan. And he, and even Dave, when he said it, he was like he said it in a way like he knew it was BS. <laughs> okay, because I I I read the quotes. I didn't hear the audio, and again, that's why that's why we're a good team because you add the substance on top of what I read. Because you actually have time to listen to all of this stuff, which is insane. Good on you for for, for doing that. Hey, my kids have on um, Bon Bon the Monkey and Pepper Pig, and I listen to Wrestling Observer. Fair enough. Sounds good to me. I, I I end up just listening to Coco Melon and just have those songs stuck in my head all damn day. I, I had to have to drown it out with something. <laughs> ah! Oh, I absolutely love it. But overall, man, look. This is no accident. Raw is getting better and better and better and better. One of these days, we're going to come on Tuesday morning, 7 a.m., as we always do, and we're going to go, holy shit, they did it, SP3. They actually put on a good show for solid three hours all the way through. 
but it is not this day. They got close. Two hours, 25 minutes or so. And then it just straight down the mountain into the seventh level of hell. We appreciate you guys listening to all 39 minutes of this half hour podcast. Man, we're getting our timing down, man. Raw's getting better. We're getting better. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Give us the thumbs up. Hammer that subscribe button. Again, check out my pin tweet. Check it out. You can win tickets. You can win tickets to Money in the Bank. We're just giving away tickets. I know we got listeners on the West Coast. Come on. Vegas ain't that far of a drive. Check out the pin tweet. Myself and Jeremy Bennett will be back tomorrow, 7 a.m., to break down all of the gloriousness that I'm sure that's going to happen on NXT 2.0 tonight. It's a good thing I left over some stuff for me and him to talk about for Monday Night Raw. We appreciate you guys. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. You've been listening to the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.